Hi, welcome to episode six of The Teacher's Promise. Once again, I'm your host, Brett Hansen, and once again, I'm honored to help celebrate, inspire, and nurture educators around the world by sharing the extraordinaries of extraordinary, dedicated, compassionate people just like you, and also exploring important ideas that will make us all better educators. This week, we return to the mad halls of middle school to meet Sharon Tupa, an extraordinary ELA teacher who loves her kids so much, they call her their school mom, even when she's making them follow the school rules. Please return next week when I share my first audio essay with you, focusing on some of the lessons I've learned from my mistakes as a teacher. It goes way back to my years in Oregon in the beautiful hills of the Mackenzie Valley. You won't want to miss it. It's a good story and an important lesson. But now it's time to hear from Sharon Tupa, a great teacher. It is my great pleasure to invite on the show today a wonderful, spectacular middle school teacher named Sharon Tupa, a wonderful school mom in so many different ways. You are just going to love this teacher. Um, A great pleasure. Uh, She's been an extremely good teacher for a very long time, and uh, perhaps most importantly, she's really, really fun. So uh, we're going to get started today with uh, Ms. Tupa, Sharon, and um, I'm going to ask you, Sharon, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, you know how you got started in teaching. Hi, I am so excited to be here uh, talking to fellow teachers and, and to be invited by Mr. Hansen. So um, when I first started, first of all, I'm a wife and a mom, and that when this question was asked, I that's what came to mind first. Um, I'm a mom, and I feel like I'm a school mom a mom of my own two adult daughters right now, and also um, a mom of new teachers coming in because I've been doing this a long time. So I I get very close to young teachers that come in, uh, close with my staff and colleagues, and close with my students as well, Um, most of them. Anyway, I try my hardest. Uh, When I first was deciding what to be, it came down to three things that I really wanted to be. One was a lawyer, because I like to talk and argue and get my way sometimes, so that was one. One was a reporter. Again, I like to talk, I like to you know act, kind of be in front of the camera type person, and also teaching. And I love students, I love kids, uh, I love learning myself. I, I had a great school experience, so it was between those three, and um, happily I chose teaching. I always knew I wanted to be uh, a teacher of older kids. Uh, I knew high school or middle school, did a lot of, you know, tutoring and observing and teaching and at all levels. And I knew right away that elementary wasn't for me. And it was more going to be middle school and high school. And then, um, although people think that I'm crazy and completely nuts, middle school is my favorite. And I've been there for the longest time, uh, 25 years, around 25 years I've been in middle school. Um, I did teach high school for a bit when I first started out, but um, middle school kids are my favorite. They're quirky, they're crazy, they're hormonal, kind of just like me. (laughs) So we fit in together really well. Yeah. Well, someone's got to teach eighth graders. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I did it when I lived in Oregon and I enjoyed it then. But um, I am extremely grateful that there are teachers like you who not only are willing, but um, enthusiastic and able, because that is a tough, tough time in a kid's life. So you do a great job. I, I know, um, you know you had these different 
possibilities, but it seems like something must really be teacher attractive for you and your family because your husband's a teacher, one of your daughters is becoming a teacher. Yes. Uh, that's a lot of teachers. It's pretty cool. Yes, it is. We have a lot of teachers in our family, and my oldest daughter was deciding. She, she you know, hears her mom and dad talking about teaching and, and kids and how great it is and all of the stories that we have, and it was going to be that or social work, and she knew she wanted to help help people and help kids. And uh, she's going to be an art teacher, I'm happy to say. So she's going to be starting in the fall for her very first teaching job. And I didn't discourage her because I know the pay isn't always great. And I know that, um, you know, it's difficult right now to be a teacher, but it's worth it. And so I just encouraged her. She got a lot of experience. She graduated in December, so she got a lot of experience working with middle school and high school kids uh, in the second semester so like the winter spring semester she subbed a lot and believe it or not guess what she's going to be teaching middle schoolers wow so yes so yeah. i'm very excited for her and and your husband taught middle schoolers he taught middle he taught high school for 23 years and then he decided to give middle school a try and he switched schools and he enjoyed that as well i would have to say he's more of a high school kind of mindset um you know, very knowledgeable about a lot of different things and the behaviors would get on his nerves more than mine, but he enjoyed his time here for sure. And the kids at Southern Door are such good kids that, you know, it was enjoyable. That's great. That's great. A whole family of teachers. Yes. So can you tell us a little bit about how compassion plays a role in your teaching? Uh, once again, the one of the two key uh, principles of the Teacher's Promise podcast is uh, how we practice compassion, the effects it has on the students, and then also the effects it has on us. So tell us a little bit about your perspective about compassion. Sure. So, you know, being a mom and having my own kids go through a lot of things when they were growing up, uh, you know, they grew up uh, with all the digital stuff and social media and all of the pressures. Uh, my oldest daughter was a collegiate softball player and she was being recruited. So she was at practice for all kinds of sports all the time and trying to keep up with work and studying and all of those things. And a lot of kids are uh, under that same pressure. They have to take care of their siblings at home. Uh, a lot of kids have to, they're almost raising their own siblings at home. So there is pressure, work pressure, and to get good grades and to, to be the best athlete and to be the prettiest and to be the you know best at everything. And I think that really weighs on kids. So you have to have compassion. Uh, a lot of times you don't even know where these kids are coming from. You don't know their stories, but you know that something deep inside of them is, is struggling or hurting. And I've seen so much anxiety and pressure uh, I'd say especially over the last 10 years, um, and it get, seems to get worse and worse every year as far as kids dealing with so many things. So if they don't have a compassionate or a bunch of compassionate teachers um, that they can deal with there at school for so much of their lives and so much of their day, that it can make that much worse. So um, I grew up and had compassionate teachers. I had... Um, I was just talking to Mr. Hansen about uh, a former teacher that dated my mom. And he, yeah, oh his gosh. name, I don't know, I can't share his name. Maybe I can, can I share? Sure. Adult. His name is Mr. Kronberger. And he taught me how to drive a stick shift car. My dad clearly wasn't in the picture at that time. He taught me how to downhill ski. 
Uh, he was more than just a teacher, my math teacher. And in fact, I wasn't very good at math either. <laughs> Yet he still told, taught me those things. Um, Sue Jan was a very influential teacher in my life that showed me compassion. Um, Mr. Kazonis, they all knew that uh, my mom and dad were getting divorced and they helped me out through that time. And I was very driven as a student, but I was also dealing with some stuff. And I learned that, you know, teachers really can make an impact and they did make an impact on me. So I try to be compassionate as much as I can. I'm also, kids would say, I'm fun but strict. They know that I'm strict and that I'm a rule follower and I'm also trying to teach them life skills. <laughs> I'm an English teacher, but I am a life skills teacher. I feel that that's my job and duty and, and might even be more important than my English teacher role. Uh, they need to know how to be good humans and how to be appropriate and, and those types of things. But through that, they also know that I've got their back too. So, and sometimes I have to tell them, you know, I'm making, I'm being strict. I'm doing this because you need it and this is going to help you later. And oftentimes they don't get it, but maybe five, 10 years from now, they'll, you know, they'll Facebook me, friend me on Facebook and they'll be like, hey, Miss Tupa, you really did make an impact. And boy, I remember that. And thanks for kicking my butt, you know, when I was in school and I knew you were there for me, but I just feel like, uh, they have to be able to go to somebody and it might not be me it might be someone else but as long as kids students have someone that they can count on at school to go to that f they feel comfortable with that's really key I, I feel to get them through life right now which is so tough yeah and i can guarantee that they do realize that because your students nominated you to be on this podcast and uh oh. that's uh, probably the best testimony possible. You know, that, that is so. Thank yeah. you so much. Uh, yeah. That does, you know, that's the reward. That's what is meaningful to me, that kids feel that I made an impact on them as a compassionate teacher and human that cares about them, which is really what I, you know, what I do. And I, I'm emotional. I'm an emotional person, and I'll show it, and kids know that. So, um, you know, sometimes when I'm even speaking in class, I'll get teary or I'll just get really, you know, emotional about something. And I think that helps them see that I, I do care. I really do. Yeah, we have to show our vulnerability at some point, some way. I mean, different teachers do it in different ways. Yes. You don't have to do it in front of students, but if you do, it's perfectly fine. I don't show too much vulnerability in regards to like emotions coming out, but I tell them stuff because yes. I believe in it so deeply. So yes. um, I envy you a little to be able to tear up in front of your students. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's not, I mean, I can't control it really, <laughs> to be honest. It yeah. just happens. Um, but that's yeah, the best stuff in life. That, that it that does, just it just happens and that's the way it goes. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. And they know, yeah. uh, they know that's great. So Sharon, you mentioned, uh, maybe indirectly the trauma that students often experience and come into your classroom uh, with. We, we know that students are experiencing and bringing to school more trauma than ever before. Um, and it's a wonderful thing that we're paying closer attention to it. Um, as the school mom, I'm sure you're more aware of it than some other teachers. Can you tell us about a student that perhaps um, needed Miss Tupa more than some others? Yes, I absolutely can. So, uh, I'm also, along with the emotion, I'm also kind of a touchy-feely person, which isn't always the greatest thing to be when you're a teacher. 
But I'll often, you know, go behind a student and give them a little back rub or, you know, pat them on the head or on the back or something like that. I'm a big-time hugger uh, if kids are willing uh, and kids know that about me. Um, but I'm also a rule follower, and I like to enforce the rules of our school. We need that for structure, and kids, I feel, need the structure. Even though they tell you they don't want it, they really need it. So um, the trauma that students feel, oftentimes it's nothing against you. And that took me years and years and years to learn. It's like, why are you acting out in my class? I feel like, you know, this is, this is against me. It's, it's usually not, and it's usually the root of it is something traumatic that they're dealing with at home, something really serious that you wouldn't even know about. And the only way to know about that is if the student opens up about that. And you're not gonna know that unless you get to know your students on a different level. Okay, you know, start small talking about their pets and sports and things that they're into and music and things like that. And then um, eventually some kids will open up to you a little more if you give them the chance. And that's kind of what happened in this situation with a student that I'm thinking of from just this past school year. So this kind of goes along with me being a rule enforcer also, so this particular student um, broke the dress code at our school almost every single day, a couple times a week for sure. And um, I'm the one that has the duct tape in my drawer and all the girls, all the female students know where the duct tape is to cover up their holy jeans if they're a little too holy, cover up, you know, different things. I have extra sweatshirts in my room. You know, that's I'm kind of the person that, you know, enforces this rule. So this particular student um, avoids walking past me in the morning, like in, when we, you know, have a couple minutes where kids are just sort of doing laps, getting ready for first hour. Anyway, I on that day for whatever reason I had to drop something off in the office, so I saw her, and it's not like I'm looking for it. It's just every day she's breaking the dress code, so she has a dress code violation, and I I said, honey, can you just cover up? You know, I'm going to ask you to cover up. That's inappropriate, and she just started bawling, sobbing full out. And this was right before first hour. So the halls were kind of empty at that point, which was a good thing. So I was taken aback by how she reacted and clearly knew that this was not <laughs> about a dress code violation. This was something going on in her life. And I have first and second hour of prep. So that's normally when I'm doing my work and copying and prepping uh, for the day and, and that kind of thing. And uh, it just worked out wonderfully that I was able to talk to her. And I said, can you, okay, what do you have first hour? She told me, I contacted the teacher. I went to the office. We sat on the bench for a bit and she just couldn't even talk at that point. She was just sobbing so hard. And I just kind of sat, sat there on the bench with my arm around her and said, don't worry, you, you know, you're, you're cleared for first hour. Do you want to come back to my room? Uh, took her a little bit and then, you know, shook her head yes and was just clearly just still crying, crying, crying. And um, I got her a bottle of water, a box of Kleenex. We went to my room. I shut the door, uh, made sure that no one would come in. If my door shut, people know that don't come in. So um, we sat there for a little longer and I just, I, I asked her, I'm like, can you, 
can I hug you? You need a hug right now. I don't know what's going on. And she shook her head yes. I don't even know if she spoke it because she was crying so hard. And I probably hugged her for like 15 minutes. And that's a long hug. That is a long that hug. That is a long hug for anybody. Yeah, that's great. And she just was, you know, I could feel her body shaking and shaking. And, and I just sat there and with her. I didn't do anything. I didn't force her to talk or do anything. We just sort of sat there for quite a while. Um, and, you know, if she would have needed two periods, it would have been okay too. But then she sort of got composure back and I said, oh my gosh, honey, this isn't about a, a dress code violation. I said, if you want to talk, I'm here to listen and I won't judge you. I'll just listen. If you don't want to talk, that's okay too. And she opened up though. And she said, I have a pretty had a pretty good relationship with her anyway, even though, you know, I would tell her a lot about, you know, dress code violations. It's still, I don't hold a grudge. It's just like, cover this up with tape. We're moving on, you know. And she opened up and shared with me that this had nothing to do with the dress code violation. But um, her mom and dad got a divorce. This has been for a while. She's got a lot of siblings at home that she's taken care of. And the court just decided the day before that she could not see her father until she was 18. And this girl's 14. She had a close relationship with her dad. She shared all about that. And she just said, I can't talk to my dad. I can't write my dad. I can't see my dad, nothing. And she just said, that's going to be really hard. And I just let her, she cried again. I let her cry. Then once she got that all off her chest, we started talking about other things. You know, I wanted to change the subject. How's school? What's going on? I know you like softball. I know you're into volleyball. And then she, she shared a little bit more and she got a little bit, happier, you know, smiley, better. She's a pretty quiet kid to begin with, not a lot of talking or sharing in class. Um, but she stayed there pretty much the whole period. She was okay to go to second hour. And I just told her, uh, you know, if you ever need to talk, you, we can talk. And I often do this. I give little cards, little notes to kids. Um, middle school kids don't like to be recognized, but you know, oh, you're talking to the teacher, whether it's good or bad, they're like, that's not cool. So often I just drop a note, put a little note, a sticky note or an envelope or something on their desk. And I happen to have the student third hour. So she had second hour uh, with another class and then I was gonna see her again third hour. And she was okay, everything was good. We got her in her second hour. She came in third hour, I just set that little note on her desk and it basically just said, thank you for sharing, I'm not gonna repeat this. Um, I'm just gonna check on you every once in a while, give me a thumbs up, are you okay? And you know, we're just gonna be regular, you know, like we normally we would be um, from then on. And she really didn't, you know, talk to me about any of that for the rest of the school year. It was another couple months, I would say, of school left. But then um, we would chat. Kids like to chat on securely or digitally. They'll chat with me a lot more and open up a lot more than verbally, unless they're a real verbally uh, verbal kid, which a lot of them don't want, like I said, don't want to be caught talking to the teacher too much. So um, I think I thought everything was good. Uh, she seemed to be doing okay the rest of the school year. And then at the end of the year, she gave me a really sweet letter uh, that she just like slipped it to me, put it on my desk kind of thing. And just talking about uh, that I, that meant a lot to her, that I took her 
uh, under my wing and that she could talk to me and thank you and that kind of thing. And um, she called me uh, her school mom, which I, I take as the the best reward and, and the best um, title that I could have. So uh, that was a just one story that happens a lot to me uh, with kids because I always say, come on in and talk. If you need anything, st- you know, come after school. And kids will come back, you know, and talk, or they'll friend me on Facebook and tell me um, that I meant something to them. And that, to me, is my biggest reward. And and I cherish every single one of those comments that kids give me. So Yeah, that's great. And you should cherish them. They're wonderful. Um, Maybe I should start a plan to try to get more. (laughs) But I don't think any of my students are going to believe in me as the school mom. Not true, (laughs) because guess what? My daughter had you, Mr. Hansen. And when I ask her and I say, who are some really important, impactful, compassionate teachers to you? Guess who she says? Mr. Hansen. Yeah, that's great. So I really appreciate that. And I can tell you specifics. Number one, there was one time where you put their numbers, their ID numbers on your papers on their papers because you thought that you were being, you know, that you were being influenced by the kid's name. Okay, so and so supposed to be an A student. So and so supposed to be a C student, and she thought that was awesome because she always felt like she kind of got slighted in classes, um, and she she got a grade that she thought she deserved, which was like an A or a B, and she'll never forget that. She keeps bringing she will bring it up all the time. The other thing you used to have them memorize stuff about grammar memorizing Shakespeare she still knows that stuff and she said that stuff helped me in college so make sure you tell Mr. Hansen when you see him so thank you for making that impact on my daughter thank you my pleasure yeah it's wonderful we got to find that balance uh, working on skills and compassion but I um, like many people I think believe that compassion is more important yes so we'll we'll keep working on that Um, so what advice or support would you give to Um, educators, especially younger educators? I touched on this a little bit before, but you have to remember that it's not you in most cases uh, that the kids are acting out behaviorally in a negative way in your class. It's usually not about you. Sometimes it could be just a kid that you you just don't get along with because in life you don't get along with every single person, right? Not everyone's going to be your best buddy, Uh, You know, there are kids that, you know, I get along really well with the talkative kids, the kids that are more demonstrative, and I have to pull out more from those quiet kids. Um, But just remember, for new teachers, remember that kids aren't against you. They're just acting out for some from some other reason, for some other reason that's going on in their lives. So that's one major thing that I would say. Kids can always tell the difference between real and fake, too. They're experts at it. So don't pretend with kids. That would be my advice. Um, You know, an example that I have is I am not very good at technology. I'm okay at it. I'm willing to learn about it. But uh, kids can tell right away if I'm trying to be act too cool with technology, then I don't really know about it. Instead, I just say, hey, can you help me with this? And kids will, and they love that. Uh, Don't pretend with them. Don't be fake. Just be real and honest, and they love that, and they and they can see it a mile away if you're being fake or, or real. So those would be my two biggest pieces of advice, for um, like compassion and getting to know kids. Yeah, one of the things I 
realized, it took me too long, but maybe 10 years or so in, that one of the most powerful things you can do as a teacher is to apologize in front of your students. Oh, yes. If, uh, I mean, of course, we all know, we all yes. make mistakes. And the, I don't know if it was the old school idea that you, know, you don't want them to realize your mistakes because they might not believe in your credibility as much. It's just the opposite, in my opinion, is better. If I look for opportunities to apologize to students yeah. for things because it really... Um, opens up that connection yes and uh so yeah they know when you're they know when you made a mistake anyway yes <laughs> if it's something that's even you know deserves a sm the smallest apology just uh, take advantage of that opportunity it's not a bad thing it's a good thing so. i agree and i'm do i do that all the time it's like oh boy i screwed this up can someone help me uh help me get this right and yeah if i make a mistake to um i like to apologize too to kids and they do love that you're right they love that mm -hmm. So um, also tell stories, tell stories from your real life, tell stories about what happened at supper and what happened with your weird cat who had to get her tail cut off because she was chewing her tail that actually happened. You know, kids want to hear it. They want to know. Uh, so um, as it's become very clear recently, we have uh, a major problem with teacher shortages across the United States. Um, what? Why, why do you think people should become teachers? Okay, well, it's not all about the money, first of all. I mean, that's important. And I can tell you, my husband and I have lived a comfortable life being teachers. So you're just fine, those of you out there thinking about it. Um, but students need role models. They need caring adults in their lives. They need caring adults who understand the content that they're trying to teach and can deliver it in a meaningful, important way that will help them achieve in school. Caring teachers have impact in students' lives, um, especially in this cell phone screen-saturated society. Students need to build face-to-face -face relationships with teachers and other students. So we can't lose that personal relationship in schools. We don't want this to become an automated thing. Uh, teachers, human teachers are so important in kids' lives. Um, making a difference in young lives is why I became a teacher. Yeah, and we are all glad you did. Um, so at the end of every episode, it's time to thank the teacher, and this one's going to be really easy. Um, I think everybody either had a wonderful school mom or wishes they had more wonderful school moms. I had great teachers. I know I must have had them because I made it through. Um, <laughs> but I would have loved to have had more teachers like you, uh, Sharon. Teachers who are willing to set aside their own independent goals or the curriculum that's supposed to be covered in order to recognize a human moment. So from all the teachers, thank you for being that school mom to them too. I know that you help out a lot of the new teachers at the middle school. Uh, taking them under your wing as well as teachers, uh, I'm sorry, as well as students, and they appreciate it enormously. So from all the teachers, thank you. And from all the students, like um, the young lady who wrote you the letter, we dysfunctional or bad behaving students, um, whether we said it or not, we're extremely grateful. Uh, so thank you for being that wonderful school mom. Thank you for being a wonderful parent to your own children and uh, for leading another tupa into the extraordinary field of education so thank, thank you, you mr hansen i appreciate it yeah all school districts need more teachers like 
Mrs. Sharon Tupa, a wonderful school mom for her students and a great colleague for teachers, new and old alike. So please make sure that you look for the comic episodes coming up soon. Uh, due to time constraints, we have decided to take the funny stories from teachers and put them together in one episode. Sharon's is wonderful. You're, you're not going to want to miss it, especially if you know the story of Stand By Me uh, and the, the, the great scene out in the woods when he tells the story. You, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about when you get there. So thanks again for joining us and believing that all children are our children and that all kids deserve our intelligent compassion. And thank you for subscribing to the podcast and sharing the word with others so we can share our articles, answering teachers' biggest questions and concerns, and offer free links to resources and more stories. Also, we're providing other inspirational material to help everyone not just get through the week, but enjoy being a part of the noblest profession and get back to that feeling of joy. And if you have time, please leave a review or comments wherever you can. I never understood how important these were before until I tried to build an audience. So thank you for considering that. And finally, always remember that you must take care of yourself in order to take care of others. And a great place to do that is the Teacher's Promise Facebook group. Until next time.